continuing our series, and I'll read um, in Ezekiel chapter 4, verses 1 to 17, which is the whole chapter. Right. So let's turn our hearts to the Word of God. And you, son of man, take a brick, and lay it before you to engrave on it a city, even Jerusalem. And put siege works against it, and build a siege wall against it, and cast up a mound against it. Set camps also against it, and plant battering rams against it all around. And you, take an iron griddle, and place it as an iron wall between you and the city, and set your face toward it, and let it be in a state of siege, and press the siege against it. This is a sign for the house of Israel. Then lie on your left side and place the punishment of the house of Israel upon it. For the number of the days that you lie on it, you shall bear their punishment. For I assign to you a number of days, 390 days, equal to the number of the years of their punishment. So long shall you bear the punishment of the house of Israel. And when you have completed these, you shall lie down a second time, put on your right side and bear the punishment of the house of Judah. Forty days I assign you a day for each year, and you shall set your face toward the siege of Jerusalem with your arm bare, and you shall prophesy against the city. And behold, I will place cords upon you so that you cannot turn from one side to the other till you have completed the days of your siege. And you take wheat and barley beans and lentils, millet and emmer, and put them into a single vessel, and make your bread from them. During the number of days that you lie on your side, 390 days, you shall eat it. And your food that you eat shall be by weight, 20 shekels a day. From day to day you shall eat it, and water you shall drink by measure the sixth part of a hen. From day to day you shall drink, and you shall eat, at, you shall eat it as a barley cake, baking it in their sight on human dung. And the Lord said, Thus shall the people of Israel eat their bread unclean among the nations where I will drive them. Then I said, Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, I have never defiled myself. From my youth up till now I have never eaten what died of itself or was torn by beasts, nor has tainted meat come into my mouth. Then he said to me, See, I assigned you cow dumps instead of human dung, on which you may prepare your bread. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, behold, I will break the supply of bread in Jerusalem. They shall eat bread by weight and with anxiety, and they shall drink water by measure and in dismay. I will do this, that they may lack bread and water and look at one another in dismay and rot away because of their punishment. Ezekiel is uh, the most visual uh, of the prophets. It's uh, tempted to lay on my side and try to drink, <laughs> but I might not get up. <laughs> Came in and uh, saw uh, Nathan taking a nap right here. And I thought, well, that's a good picture. That'd be a good picture. You know, I, maybe I can get you to come up and duplicate that. 
but the text begins with uh, with a um, I don't know. Do kids play with toy soldiers anymore? Mm -hmm. I don't even know. Do they? They still do. Oh yeah. Okay. Hmm. I, I one of my, some of my fondest memories as a as a little kid. I have a very few, but that's one of them. I'd go and play in the dirt with my little soldiers and, <laughs> and things. Now, do they? Did you do that? Oh, of course. Well, good. I'm, I'm, and these I'm, boys do now. And down in South Alabama, we have these uh, fire ants that are just everywhere. And that would be part of my scenario. We, you know, blow things, fire ants. <laughs> I develop an alert allergy. I'm grateful we don't have them yet in Northwest Arkansas because um, uh, I've developed an incredible allergy to them that could kill me. So it's, um, mm. it's uh, down there, I'm supposed to carry around whatever the allergy. Yeah, yeah, the pen that yeah. I hold, but haven't had to since I've been up here. Um, but I know that's the consequence of years of plague. And that's the picture you have. This is what God tells Ezekiel to do. Go and get a brick. You know, and a brick, uh, the length of the brick is just slightly, uh, the width and the length is just slightly bigger than this piece of paper. It's just as deep. So imagine a brick about this size. And engrave on it uh, a city, you know, make a drawing, set it up, uh, take an iron griddle. You know, we know what a griddle is. It's, it's what they cook their food on, cook their bread on. Uh, set it up against the wall and and set your face toward it and uh, and make little battlements. Uh, it's a strange. It's a, like something a child would do to illustrate a point of of the destruction that is coming to uh, Jerusalem, and this is a sign. For the house of Israel, uh, there is the symbolism is very plain. You don't have to dig very deep. Um, the brick represents the city of Jerusalem. Uh, the griddle represents the barrier between God and His people because of their sin. Uh, the hardness of the of the hearts. Uh, of, of both the Babylonians and the Jews. The Babylonians will never stop until they destroy Jerusalem. The Jews will never surrender until they are literally hauled into captivity and the walls are taken down. It is a picture. God tells Ezekiel to make a picture, uh, a graphic picture in the dirt in the mud of the rebellion of the house of, of Israel. It is, uh, it is an incredible uh, thing, but, we, but it, it's, it's an image that we, we uh, readily, readily understand. And then to make it even more graphic, he is to lie on his side his left side uh, for two sets of two periods of time uh, 390 days um, 
equal to the punishment for the house of Israel. And then on the other side, for um, 40 days. And then we're told very explicitly that the days, each day, corresponds to a year. And the other place in the Bible you find that is in the book of Numbers, when uh, the children of Israel and their wandering in the wilderness is described in terms of days, which translate to years. You can find that in Numbers chapter 14. So, again, what is, what is this a picture of? It's not terribly complicated in terms of the, uh, the representation of the hardening of hearts. It is a little complicated into understanding which period of years this involves. Now, two main opinions of Bible scholars, they look at this. Some say it harkens back to the time of Israel in the wilderness and in the captivity of Egypt. You know, 430 years is a very famous number in the life of Israel. If you add these two numbers up, I'm not good at math, but I think I can do that. It's 430 years. That is the time of the captivity of the children of Israel in Egypt. And, well, you, you, well that's, you're, you're tacking on 40 years uh, in the wilderness to their captivity in Egypt. It should, should be 470, right? So that's a... That's a uh, is it the literal number of years or is it separated for reason? The other, the other biblical reference, and I think is more likely, is the time between the time of um, the civil war between northern Israel and southern Israel that began immediately after Solomon's death between uh, Solomon's son Rehoboam and, and Jeroboam. And remember, Israel was divided between north and south, and Israel uh, is mentioned as the ten tribes in the north, and uh, Judah and Benjamin are the two tribes in the south. And uh, Rehoboam was uh, the, um, the um, king of Judah, and, Re and Jeroboam was the king of Israel. And those two parallel kingdoms that existed in the whole of, uh, uh, whole portions of the kings and the chronicles are devoted to that very complicated history of the kings of, of uh, Israel and Judah. And some, and, and it roughly, it, very closely corresponds to the time between that division and when Jeroboam turned to worship idols, and the hundred and uh, or rather the three hundred and ninety years from that time frame. Now, it's it's hard for me reading back into Scripture to get my mind around three hundred ninety years. And then 40 years of history and and not stretch my understanding and I, I think that's and I, I was a I minored in history in college I studied church history 
And it's still staggering to me to think about God dealing with the people over all of these generations, whether it's from the time of Moses, which is uh, a thousand years before this, or whether it's more recent in the time of Jeremiah. Those are the two main uh, things that are in view here. Which one? I wish I could. I wish I could say with certainty. But it could be both. It's very. It's very. The point is the same. If you know the history of these events, the point is the same. Israel hardened their heart, and they were judged in the wilderness. First Corinthians chapter ten tells us how we are to read the Old Testament. These things are written to you for your instructions. It's very instructive that this is given right before the instructions and the warnings of, of, of eating and drinking the Lord's Supper in the correct way. These things are written so you won't harden your hearts like they did and you won't be judged in the wilderness like they did and you won't fall like they did. The message is don't harden your hearts against the message of God's prophet, which is to repent, which is to put your faith and trust in the living God. What is this a picture of? It's a picture, quite simply, of Israel's and Judah's rebellion against God. We've already seen that uh, Ezekiel was limited in by being shut up in his house. He was also limited by being tied up in his house. He was he was limited in several in several ways in, in the preceding uh, text. Cords. You you can't go outside. You're you're going to be made mute. You're not going to be able to speak until I tell you to speak, and to speak what I tell you to say. Um, limit again limited in that way and now it's taking a step forward you're gonna you're gonna lay on your side every day for over a year can you imagine now, I, don't, I don't think it was a continual continuous leg that would be quite a supernatural act but I think I think okay is he, just imagine that year in Ezekiel's life you're gonna get up and you're gonna lay on your side all day and you're going to look at an iron griddle in front of a brick <laughs> all day. And people are going to wander by in, in um, Babylon. And they're going to say, what is that crazy Ezekiel doing today? And you're going to do that for over a year. And then when you're done... What a relief, you're going to have to lay on your other side for 40 days. And you're going to eat certain things. So, so on the one hand, we have a, a, um, a picture of a, a, a model of what's going to happen to Jerusalem. We have, we have a, a, a picture of the incapacity 
of Ezekiel, uh, the picture is the punishment is placed on him. Again, it, it's definitely a gospel picture here. The punishment of the people is laid on Ezekiel. It's very, very, uh, very much points to what the Son of Man did for us in his humanity. He bore the punishment that we deserve. And you will bear that punishment for that entire time to make atonement. Again, no man can do that. Uh, Ezekiel could merely represent that. And in so doing, he was pointing to what Jesus would completely and fully do. I'm, when I read passages like this, I'm so glad I live in the New Testament. I'm so glad I'm born in this time. Uh, you wonder about the, the stubbornness and the obstinacy of the people who saw God's miracles and saw God's word revealed in such a way. But when we look at the world today, how is it any different? I think of this, I think of our country. I, I, uh, if I do my math right, 2022 minus 1776 is 246 years, is that right? That this country has existed as a nation. Um, I, th I think, we're on, we're on a rocket path compared to ancient Israel. To, uh, I'm, I'm wondering, frankly, are we gonna, is our country even gonna survive another four years? I, I just, it just, it's mind boggling what is taking place in culture, in, in politics, and in, in the nation. It's just, uh, to me, it's staggering. And it's such a, such a time in the life of Israel that we look at in Ezekiel. So it is a, it is a timely book to think about. And then there's this food illustration. You got this graphic illustration of judgment. You got this graphic illustration of Ezekiel bearing the punishment for the people. And then you have this food illustration. And this one is always really bugged me when I read through my Bible devotions. This one is always really, I, you know, I'm not, I've never tried to keep kosher. You know, I like my uh, pulled pork as well as anyone. But part of those kosher laws are how you prepare food. God tells Ezekiel in this passage to take human dung that's the polite word, and use it to cook his bread. And then it's bread. Oh, how many people eat Ezekiel bread? You know, you buy it in the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sad thing to say. It tastes yep. like cardboard. <laughs> but it's got all these things in it. It's supposed to be really good for you. Some people may really, does anybody like it? I'm sorry to offend you. I, I do. I do like it. That's good. Uh, the story is told that, that a rabbi uh, made this uh, years later after, after this, and I, I don't think it's made with the same recipe. The rabbi made this, and uh, he couldn't eat it, so he gave it to his dog, and his dog wouldn't eat it. Uh, I don't know if the, 
the rabbi. It's it's raw food. This is not this is not what you would want to not how you would want to make your food. The recipe I read all about the recipe of the Ezekiel bread you buy in the store, and it's not the same. It, it's raw food. It reminds me when when I went to Egypt several years ago. Um, every morning, breakfast consisted of fava beans, and uh, it, w it wasn't bad, but uh, I think uh, Ed Walker told me that's what they did in the Navy, so uh, we get hints of Navy beans, right? You, you get beans in the Navy. Another reason I'm glad I didn't join the Navy. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, they, they, they asked me, every morning the Egyptians would come up and say, how'd you like the, the, the beans? <laughs> I said, well, they're great. <laughs> and they, they, they tasted fine. They put olive oil and all kinds of things on them. It tasted pretty good. And uh, one minister would, would say, well, told the story of this famous Egyptian um, uh, uh, mathematician who came to the United States, and he, and he went to the grocery store to buy these particular beans, and they didn't have them. And, and, uh, and they finally, somebody directed him to the to the feed store because it's I guess they are horse feet and uh, that's what and so they laughed they thought that was funny that they that that was horse feet in America well so are oats I did I try to tell them that oatmeal is the yeah. same thing um, this is rough this is not something for Ezekiel's nourishment and well-being this is a picture of judgment that's what the text is trying to tell us and the fact that God ordered him to graphically illustrate the, the uncleanness and the wickedness of the people of God by having them cook this, this uh, rough food over human dung. Can you imagine? Every time I've read this over my whole Christian life, I've just absolutely cringed every time I came to this, this text. How can... How? And then the mercy of God uh, on Ezekiel. No, well, just use cow dung. And I always, when I got to that, I always thought, really? Until about seven years ago, I, I, uh, Dr. Dow personally talked me into going to Pakistan with him. And I, and I really didn't understand this text until he took me to, we went to Lahore, uh, Pakistan, and immediately we go to this village out in the country where the Taliban have all their headquarters. And I said, "Well, I've got to decide if I want to go to heaven today or wait till I get back." <laughs> because the Pakistan Christians are so bold; they're they're amazing. So uh, we're in these villages, and every morning the Pakistan. Pakistani women would get up, they put on their, their finest clothes, and they immediately go about their chores at the crack of dawn, which consisted mainly of feeding their water buffalo and then sweeping up the dung. And then they would take the dung of the water buffalo, and it's probably the same cow that's in this text. Added into a cake like you know we used to do in kindergarten, the the mud, the, pot, the clay pie, put our handprint in, and they would put their handprint, make a beautiful thing, and throw it up against the wall, and wait for it to dry. And I and 
I got to eat my bread cooked over Calvary, just like Ezekiel. And it was one of the most lovely fragrances. I, 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 not, it, it, I thought, this is the mercy of God. This is a pig. This is, then I understood this text for the first time. Right? They, they cook their bread on an iron griddle. So the whole thing is uh, they, they take their bread, they, they lay it out. It's called naan. You probably can buy it in the store. And they cook as flatbread. And they use uh, the cow dung like we use charcoal. And it has this lovely fragrance. They feed those uh, cattle um, mustard greens, of all things, all day long. And the dung resulting from this process um, puts this, <laughs> this uh, smoky patina over everything in sight and smell that is not obnoxious. This is a picture of God's grave when he begs because what, what God initially is telling Ezekiel, you know exactly what he's saying. You're not to eat unclean things. We use it as a pejorative, don't we? Some of us do. He's literally telling him to eat, you know what? Because this is the anger that I have toward these rebellious people. Ezekiel, Again, as God's representative of the people begs for mercy. He is, he is from the priestly caste. Even though he's not anywhere near where he can make a sacrifice, he is interceding for himself and his people. And God has mercy on him. I've never, ah, Lord, I've never defiled myself. I've never broken the kosher laws. I've never eaten a dead animal. Eaten anything tainted that wasn't killed in a proper way. I can't do this. And so God has mercy on him. This is a picture of the grace Some scholars, again, one of the reasons some scholars say this time frame is, is the um, same as the 430 years, is the promise in Deuteronomy 28, verse 68, the second given of, giving of the law before, before Israel, their blueprint for the uh, conquest of the promised land. If you, if, if you disobey, then you will go back to Egypt. And some say, Going into Babylon, it was like going back to Egypt, even though it wasn't Egypt proper. And again, I'm not sure about that, but that makes good sense that this judgment will fall on you just as it did before. Now, what is the application, though, of all these things? The application is God means what he says. And what he says will certainly be fulfilled. This is a picture of judgment against God's people 
when they forsake his ways. It is also a picture of God's grace to his people when they return to him and when they beg for mercy. There's a fierce judgment promise. They're going to rot away because of a punishment. Uh, it's just the vanguard at this point that has been kept, carried captive. And, and uh, the hammer is going to fall on Jerusalem. The walls are going to be broken down. The temple is going to be destroyed. All their confidence has been misplaced. And this reign of judgment in the midst of God's wrath there is mercy there's mercy for Ezekiel and there's mercy for all the righteous who turn from their wicked ways and live let us pray Father thank you for um, this uh, very difficult of Ezekiel Thank you that in your wrath you promise mercy. That you discipline your people. You discipline every son or daughter you receive. That you won't, will not merely let us go. That when we beg you for mercy, you hear us. And you hear us again and again and again. We thank you for these providential reminders in the life of Ezekiel of, of your mercy, these simple things that we take for granted, like the, like the cleanness of the food we eat, Father. And when, when your wrath falls, even that is taken away. But Father, thank you that what we feed on is Christ, the bread of life. And we feed on him in faith. And we hear his word when we hear it read and applied, when we read it ourselves and apply it, when we have our life guided by the word of Christ because of our union with Christ, as we heard so, so well put this morning in the adult Sunday school class, that we would never turn from that constant process of calling out to you for mercy, even in the midst of judgment not only for ourselves, but for our children, our, our, our grandchildren, for future generations, Father, for the whole uh, generation that we live in. God, be merciful. Sin, revival. We, we're desperate for rain. Father, may we be more desperate for the rain of the Holy Spirit that will, that will cleanse us and purify us and draw us to yourself. We pray for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.